Not cruel intentions. I'm trying to remember what movie it was where my dad brought home this. Like my 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 parents used to do movie nights. Oh, I thought you told us about this. I thought it was Wild Things. Wild Things. Yes. Where my my, my <laughs> so I as, as a teenage as a teenage boy, I saw Wild Things for pretty obvious reasons. Right. Um. Before. Because it was the thing at Blockbuster yes. that was kind of porn. Yeah. yeah. But I remember thinking that <laughs> while I worked there. Yeah. Then like three weeks later. For movie night, my dad comes home like he, uh, he would stop after work at a, at a movie store and pick something out, and the whole right. family watching. Like, like Sun Coast video, or yeah. West Coast no, video. No, no. Well, it was it was it was a uh, magic video. Magic video, nice. Mm. Uh, so even more low budget. <laughs> so like magic um, rent to own, <laughs> rent to own. Was it? Was it? <laughs> no, or no? It was. It was. I think it was like like. <laughs> Like maybe maybe it was, it was in a magic video or like wizard video or some, gotcha. some bullshit yeah. like that. I think it was just a one store type. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, back when there were video yes, rental stores, lots of them. So I went to Video Time. That's mine. My, uh, my personal favorite was El Video, nice. loosely translated the video. the video. Um, so my dad comes out and you're like, all right, movie night, sweet. And my dad goes, yeah, I got this movie. Uh, Kevin Bacon's in it. It's called Wild Things. And I thought, <laughs> I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm not watching this with my parents. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. I'm out of here. I don't know if they want... Because my parents aren't... I mean, they're not prudes, but they're also, like, very family-oriented. I don't know. I was like, I don't want to be involved in <laughs> Plus, this. at a certain point, I feel like... It would just be a so uncomfortable. Movie, just becoming that, it's just like, let's just stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'd imagine they're just watching and be like, what are we doing? <laughs> fast forward, fast forward. Just turn it off. Why are we just sitting here watching this? I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad bringing home a movie, and then we started watching it, and then a scene would come on, and my mom would be like, okay, it's over. Like, she would just turn it off, and I was always like, Whoa, what was that? Like, it was what was about to happen? And then, like, later, I remember hearing, I was up upstairs in the house, and I would hear my parents wa finish watching the movie, and, like, it was never, like, a... A ridiculous, like gratuitous scene. It was just always a moment that my mom was like, "Nope, you're not for you. Go upstairs." But then I would hear them watching it afterwards, and like, and I would always be like, oh, "I wonder what's happening on the screen." <laughs> because a lot of times it would just be talking, or there'd be music for that scene. Right. Just be like, nah, 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 nah. You're like, "What the hell's going and on?" And then it would just be talking, and I'm like, like desperately listening to try to figure out what was <laughs> going on. And then I'm just like listening to this boring ass movie about adults, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> what is there any? What's happening? What am I not allowed to know? <laughs> See, uh. my parents, specifically my mother, one-upped all of you. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, this should she be great. Would, she would actually take the movies because this was back in the days of VHS, of course. Yep. Yep. And she would. We had a double deck. Oh, VHS. so she would edit. She, she would edits. do her own editing. Nice. Damn. So not only would the gratuitous scenes be taken out, things like. What the hell? Or shut up. We'd just be like, hey, man. <laughs> I distinctly remember watching our copy of Home Alone 2. Oh, no. Like, every time there was a swear word or anything, like, remotely, like, <laughs> off kilter or, you know, offensive, right. it would just skip ahead. Just and randomly as a kid, jump. I'd just be like, I, 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 now I'm <laughs> I'm no wonder Matt doesn't really like Matt's like ah, movies are great. I, I enjoy them. I'm not like way into like 
serious film because like his foundation of movies is like what are they doing with these? Like, why are they just throwing stuff together? <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing, I'm picturing there's you like no, honestly. There's like no trying. <laughs> I, I'm picturing you honestly believing, like, like those are the real versions of the yeah. films, and being like, I, I'd imagine the first time you saw Home Alone uncut, you're like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, now that, I feel like there was a very, it was a very short period in between that time in my life, and then when my dad would just. Let me watch Arnold Schwarzenegger movies <laughs> with him. Yeah, like, you're saying like, you're on, saying your you know, maybe a the TV edited versions, thing. but those are still yeah decently violent, yeah. and there's still a oh, decent amount of swearing left in those. Which so. that 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 leads me to a good a good watch is the documentary Clean Flicks from 2009 uh-huh. about the the movie um, a company that did what the Max Mormon. Mom did. Company, yes. yes, and that got that ended up getting shut down, like because <laughs> all the when they found when the actual movie studios found out what they were doing, it was like well, you can't do that. What are you crazy? <laughs> but they would sell edited versions of, right, of right. all the popular movies at the time, so people could watch them in the in the in the comfort of their family unit that was free the of, of all their sin and <laughs> yeah, and the comfort awful. of their own and, and reality and yeah, exactly. Ugh. But. Uh, it is a good documentary, though. It's cool. it's pretty interesting. But we'll have to check that out. We'll have to do a documentary episode one of these days. So I told you, I already reviewed one. No, but I mean, like an oh, episode okay. just entirely about documentaries. Sure, I think it would be interesting. Would. So, hey, everybody, welcome to Enter the Critic, a podcast where each week we talk about movies, both new and on Netflix. Uh, I'm Chris Klump. With me, as always. Hi, y'all. I'm Matt Schaefer. Okay. I don't know why you're <laughs> all... That's interesting. We call that a choice. It's an interesting choice. It's not a choice. I was born this way. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a, like a, 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 a southern transvestite? Did, I, what the did hell? I ever tell you... Uh, I was starting early in, tonight. Huh? Did I ever tell you I'm st- a southern transvestite? I, uh, I played one. Not, no, I didn't play one. I played a southern gay man right. in uh, the Glass Menagerie uh, parody. I forget yes, what it's I, called. I forget what that was called. The Glass. But yeah, um, I played a, a southern gay man. It was huh. one of my favorite roles that I ever Me. had. Me. But very pissed off. Like, because the whole story there is that there's like two siblings, right. and the one resents the other. But all right, and he's fun time. He's and and of course uh, also with us. Because <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for whom the southern bell tolls. Yes. <clears throat> all right. I've seen that. It. It's good. Like it. Um, daddy. Well, no, daddy. we already had that. We already had that. We already oh, did Dad that. Is here again? Oh, no, not, not big daddy. <laughs> Oh, Big Daddy. What are you, a drug dealer? Oh, this is like a weird joke that has to do with my previous roles as an actor. I know. This is crazy. It's Big Daddy. Oh, oh, come on now, Big Daddy. Behave. We got a good show to do here. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Matt in any role. Damn it! I think we have another sound bite. Uh, this this week's episode uh, is our Netflix episode. We're no, doing Netflix classic. Netflix, yeah. This is this is end of the critic classic essential series. <laughs> essential series. That's right. Uh, this week we were talking about the 1976 masterpiece Taxi Driver. Uh, but before we get into that, let's get into some trailers. Trailer time. Trailers. 
I just saw a whole bunch of trailers. First trailer we saw this week, The Maze Runner. Set in a post-apocalyptic world, young Thomas is deposited in a community of boys after his memory is erased. Soon learning, they're all trapped in a maze that will require him to join forces with fellow runners for a shot at escape. All right, this movie starts a lot of people you don't know. A lot of people you don't there, know. There, there was that one kid, the, yeah, the, the, the blonde kid. What is he in? The one kid who's in Game of Thrones. He plays um, uh, one of the reeds. He plays uh, Jojen Reed. Ah, yes, yeah. I thought it was somebody yeah. I recognized. Um, so this movie, but when Patricia, I, when I, Patricia Clarkson is an adult in this, and you might know her. I just watched recently Lars and the Real Girl. Oh she's yeah, oh, she's, right. yeah, she's great in that, among other things. Um, this movie looks like if you take the Hunger Games and then combine it with a, a young adult book that I read years and years and years ago called The House of Stairs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. I, no. It's a, I, I don't even know if it's a young adult novel. It might be just a short right. uh, story. Um, this this movie is very similar. Right. This uh, movie uh, is a young adult book, though. Oh, yes. Yeah, but as not the movies. one I thought it was. Right. As all movies are. We talked about last episode. <laughs> as all movies are these days. Um, now, Parker, you read a lot of young adult novels. <laughs> yes. Have you read this novel at all? No, I haven't read this. And, and I, it, it struck me a little bit as like, I, I mean, I don't know when it came out. I'm going to look it up the, when the book came out. Let me just look quick before I say anything too stupid. Um, young Adult came out 2009. 2008 was Hunger Games. So oh, okay. it very much to me. <laughs> Riding a little bit of that wave there. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I, I felt like that. I was like, okay, this is that thing. That's happening. Right. Well, I mean, that that happens. And again, obviously, Hunger Games isn't wholly original. We have, you know, Battle Royale. And right. So, like, you know, it's n- nothing new under the sun, but, see, you know, at the see, same time. This, this book that I'm talking about came out in 1974. Right. Called The House of Stairs, and it's about these kids who are dumped into this place that is just all stairs. There's no, no, no. walls, and they're, like, forced to, like, Which do is like things. Harry Potter. Oh, With the stairs, yeah. yeah. Oh my god! So all makes sense. Nobody has any original ideas. No, <laughs> no. which so, is like MC Escher and that painting that he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mo- yeah. So this. Tra- <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, surprised yeah. that they're not going to make a movie of a painting at this point where they're like, <laughs> "Join us, MC Escher stairs." The, it's like MC oh, Escher. How you make a movie? The of this. scream, the hand that draws itself in that weird one. <laughs> I don't, yeah. So this movie, I mean, it does a Dolly movie. <laughs> a Dolly movie, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you you are right. This film does the the trailer does come off very much like a uh, hey, we're trying to cash in on this Hunger Games popularity. <laughs> Here's what we got. Um, so and it seems a lot more so than what we talked about last time with the Giver, right? Yeah, it seems much more, more just because like, they make it mm, out to be like ticket in. Yeah, it makes it out to be like this is a uh, you know, this is a competition of sorts. It involves young people, mm-hmm. you know, kind of mm-hmm. pitted against each other in, in some In a post-apocalyptic world. I almost sighed when I read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coming from someone Damn who it. loves post-apocalyptic right. stuff, but and now it's getting like, the like Oh, can't we just do something in like dystopian now? post-apocalyptic? Uh, can't again? we just do something oh, in the God. pre-apocalyptic <laughs> world? 
or just like right. just like adoring the pop. But it's weird because the previous uh popular trend was during the apocalypse. Yep. Yes. That's what we just came out of where it was just like, you know, the day after tomorrow and and like all these things were just like earthquakes, like the, yeah, the, and uh, the natural disaster, and the natural disaster film, and now this is post-apocalypse. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'd like to see? The post-post-apocalypse. <laughs> no, I mean society is rebuilding. Yeah, right. Where's yeah. our movies like that? They're called, I see... they're called Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's not a movie. Yeah. It's a video game. It will be a movie. It will be. Right. It will be a movie. <laughs> when they've shortly. gone through all the young adult books, like I want to see a movie. Yeah, well, that's... What do we got? What do we got here? Uh, what, what, what's this Fallout? We'll make a movie about that, <laughs> uh, sir. Fallout is heavily based on multiple movies. Uh, they're not gonna care. <laughs> <laughs> they're not gonna care. Everything works in cycles. It's fine. <laughs> no, I want to see a movie that's like you remember the credit sequence in Wally. Yes. Where they're yes. rebuilding the world and yep. there's all this cool stuff going on. Like, yes. I'm getting help from robots, but it's like organic. I think that would be a cool movie. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah, it's definitely. like you have Get all it, this, Pixar. this relics of technology <laughs> of like the future, but right. it's all ruined, but you're still like somehow building a new yeah, society. I, I think, think that would great. be cool. That'd be great. And we'll never see it. Oh. Um, <laughs> now, this, this, this trailer. I I I I'm going to be honest with you, people. I picked it because I didn't have much else to choose from. <laughs> um, I mean, it is, I it's just... probably going to be the next big. Like, yeah, I mean that. Release it, for that, that that's kind of what I. Though. That's kind of what I figured. I mean, this film's going to go. There, there's only two ways this film can go. It is either going to be immensely popular and then get four more movies. Yep. Yep. Or it is going to get buried and right. gone in two weeks. I think weeks. it's going to be a flash in the pan. Really? I I think we're reaching the the edge of this trend and I think it's going to take very certain kinds of high caliber films perhaps like The Giver to to sort of break above, you right. know. But the even then it will be like the last sputtering dying breaths of yeah, this sure. trend. Cuz we did see this with I mean when 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 the Twilight movies were in full force, we saw a number of copycat films. Same with Harry Potter. We got that what's it, Percy Ch- Jackson yeah. Yeah. films. We got a, you know one of those, and it's obviously people like, hey, what what else do we have that could potentially be a money making movie series? Sure. So I mean, I I think I, I mean I don't know. I I could see it going one or like I said, it, it either is going to be immensely popular or like you said, it's going to be flash in the pan, two weeks dead. And I don't know which one I'm rooting for at this point. <laughs> yeah. Because on one hand, I kind of like the idea, but on another, I don't want to see six more of them. Right. Um, right. And then the last one be a two-parter. Like, I don't need that. Yes, yes. Gosh. So. I, yeah, like, if it's popular, that's the saddest thing, is that it's, if it's popular, they're not just going to leave well, well enough alone. No, they're going like, to milk the hell out of it. Like, that's just, like, it's frustrating. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, it is. Like, I, I bet you guys can't wait for the Giver Part Two and right. then Part Two or they, Part Three. They and will four. not do the Giver Part Two. Get over yourself. They're gonna. They're not. Okay. I guarantee it. No, trust me. I guarantee. They'll it. find a way. How They'll much you want to bet? They'll find a way. Life always finds a way. <laughs> movie, <laughs> movie, movie executives uh, always find uh, a way. Money <laughs> finds a way. Uh, always finds a way. <laughs> so uh, the Maze Runner comes out September nineteenth of this year. I'll be amazed if it's good. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, next uh, next uh, uh, trailer we saw, Cruel and Unusual. Wrongly condemned for killing his wife, a man finds himself in a mysterious institution where he is sentenced to relive her death for eternity. All right. This movie also stars nobody you would recognize. 
I'm the, but like, in a good way. But in a good way, yeah. Um, that so, main guy, like, I don't know who he is, but I'm like, he is playing this role perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely he perfectly. looks like exactly like you'd yep. want him to look. His name is yep. David Richmond Peck. I have no idea. Wow, he packed on some pounds for that role. Yeah, he did. Look at it. He does not look that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He looks 10 years younger in this yeah. IMDb photo. Um, He was in Pacific Rim. The director, his name is Merlin <sighs> Diversific, uh, is mainly known for working in the art department for Supernatural. Huh. Okay, That's this must be his first yeah. foray into direction. <laughs> David Richmond Peck is Canadian UN representative. Yep. Okay, so he's not really. <laughs> he's. I guess he's probably one of those dudes that's on one of the screens in one of the news things. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but I now, would still say I was in Pacific Rim. Yeah. Oh hell <laughs> Every yeah! Every day of my life. <laughs> so let's not. <laughs> yeah. Let's not beat around the bush here. The institution's hell. Now, like, see, like, I've read. Now, I, I I watched this trailer like three days ago, and I made the mistake of scrolling down some comments. I've read a lot of different ideas of what the institution is. A lot I, of different. Uh, ones. I mean, maybe it's not, but it, it really. Yeah, it uh, like uh, based, based on the trailer, it really seems it, like it that's could what's it happening. could be hell. Somebody else pointed out that it could be an insane asylum, and all these people like he's yeah. nuts. He's just could be crazy. So. The film is, ba- yeah, like 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 the the IMDb description says, uh, he's condemned for killing his wife and must relive her um, death over and over again. And in the trailer, it, it reveals that he may also be dead. Um, that she tried to kill him. Um, and and there are parts of this movie or the parts of the trailer where <laughs> the guy who plays Edgar is just so just perfectly creepy. <laughs> And just especially the last part of the trailer where he turns around and goes, "Hi, I'm Edgar." Yeah, it's I like, didn't know ah! what to say. Like I thought I knew where the trailer was, like where this movie was going throughout the trailer, and then that last scene, I'm like, "What? what? Yeah, okay, I guess I, I got to no see this idea. movie because yeah. I really don't know what's going on." This is this is an excellent example of a good trailer. Yes, yes. where this film could go a lot of different ways. Um, and none of it would, sh- like, I'd be surprised no matter which way they went. I'd be yeah. like, oh, they went, okay. That's not the way I thought they were going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really actually looking forward to seeing this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure when it's like, like most of, like most of the yeah. uh, trailers we do on our Netflix ones. Uh, I'm not sure. It when might be out, out for far years, or it might be coming. It might no, be. It's, it's I mean, coming it's, soon, but uh, who knows when? It's Canadian. It's, so yeah, it's whatever, a Canadian. It's a foreign film, so might, who knows might how we're going to get it? Might be something where we'll probably be easily watched on some video services. Yeah, this will probably get picked up by like magnet releasing or something, and we'll get it on Netflix. You know, right before before anything else, it'll come on like yeah. direct to streaming. So, uh, but yeah, I I would recommend you guys like checking out this trailer because it's very interesting and it's very unique. Uh, so that comes out sometime this year <laughs> in the near future. In the near future, in a post apocalyptic <laughs> in a apocalyptic future. Oh god! <laughs> so all right. Now we have uh, what is coming, one of my favorite segments, uh, because my father pointed out that originally it was supposed to be short, and <laughs> they keep getting longer and <laughs> yeah. longer. I, I, uh, I've sometimes debated, we talk about it longer than we talk about the movie. I've my debated dad pointed time, that out to me, too. I've debated, you know, timing them, 
Well, see the, if we can get it under five minutes. The uh, the last one I did for for Bad Milo, I think we got that under ten. Honestly, this one should be short because I don't want to give much away. No, absolutely not. No. So, all right, coming up, our shotgun review. This is my boomstick. <laughs> Parker was so oh, ready, dude. So man. ready. I'm, so I'm holding ready. back. Good, I'm good holding job. Back. All right. But we do uh, need to wait shot- a second for the audience. Yes, of course. Our shotgun review this week is Ponty Pool. A psychological thriller, dot, dot, dot. Not not saying anything else. Yeah, no. Uh, I'll I'll read off some of the cast right. too. Uh, Stephen McHattie, Lisa Hool, Georgina Riley. A lot of people you probably have. Yeah, there's a whole um, lot of a whole lot of indie film again, actors. Canadian, Canadian yes, film. Canadian film. So so all right. Yeah, before we get into Pontypool, I want to ask what was like. How did you discover this? Because we've all seen it. And we all love it. Yeah. Who who introduced you? I think we all probably the probably same the person. Same person uh, was it Adam Lover? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Friend of the show. Friend, yeah. uh, uh, Star Trek expert Adam yep. Lover. <laughs> yep. Um, for for me, uh, when we 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 started hanging out, and he was like, "You need to educate me on some some films." I was going through like some classics, and then the one day he shows up at my house with this you know Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, however, and said, "Oh, you got to watch this movie. It's called Pontypool." And I'm like, "All right." And I sat down. Damn. Yep. That's all that really needs to be said. Uh, it's hard to... This is something that we definitely don't want to spoil because it gives a, a a huge part of the awesomeness of this movie is not really knowing what's going on. Absolutely. This film um, is confusing as hell, but in a way that makes you compelled to keep watching it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when a movie is so confusing to me that I, have no, I don't even know what's going on in the plot, I want to bail out of it. Right. This one, I was like, nope, I'm sticking with it. I, it's it, nothing, in no way, shape, or form mimics the content, but it reminds me of like Primer, where you're yes. like watching a movie and you're like, what? This movie yes. is like breaking my head. Yes. But you want to keep watching it. You want to watch it uh, maybe another time because you're like, okay, I think I got it, but like, what? Like, it's, right. And you want to know. Like, like you said, it's not like where you're like, what's happening? I don't care. Right, it's like yeah. what's happening? I I, I got to figure it like, out. I want to yeah. f- solve and this. No, no, it, it, and and I'm glad you mentioned it because it is very much like Primer in that aspect. Again, Primer is a completely right. Right. different right. film. You've seen Primer, don't think that you're getting into whatever no, time no, travel. No, no, there's no time travel in this at all. <laughs> but it is a film where like most of the way through you're really really lost as to what exactly is going on. Really? And this is an yeah. an excellent um uh example of how you make a compelling low budget film right because the entire Again, movie yeah. takes place pretty much in one in setting, one setting yes. and is done where all the action where all the things that are going on are happening outside of this yes. person's influence yeah and he is merely reacting as still, if he's a member of the audience it's still very tense oh it's yeah. incredibly it's a tense. very tense movie uh, but yeah it's a, it's a strange movie very strange. So, uh, some of the time you're not sure what genre you're really in right right Mm -hmm. um and that will cut people that will um set some people off a uh uh co-worker of mine uh who went into this movie thinking it was a straight horror film right got really annoyed when it didn't meet his expectations it's not it's not really a horror no No. 
This but is, this- but don't if you are upset by some moments of like violence horror, and horror, yeah. violence or horror, like then maybe don't. Like, yeah. Maybe watch. If this. you hate any horror movies, right. it's got moments of horror. Yes, it, it does. You, it will intense. surprise yeah. you yeah. to that. So you can't go into it with being like, "Oh, I'm not gonna be whatever. I'm not gonna see any of that this kind is, of stuff." You'll see some, but it's not a horror movie. Right. But it's just it is itself. This, this, will, this is a yeah. film where you want to you want to check your expectations. Yeah. at the door before you say, watch this movie. I will say this isn't giving really much of anything away. That might um, give some away. Well, maybe that gives a little bit. Away. No, I don't. I don't think so. By the time by the time they would figure out what that means, you you'd get it. All right. Well, cut some of it or none of it out. I don't oh, care. No, cut, cut All right. Fine. Cut that out. I plan to. Um. Yeah. If you're a smart person, you su- you should Whoa. watch this movie. Yes. How about that? <laughs> yeah. How about okay. that? I like that. Yeah. That that's true. That's very true. Also, um, and I normally don't recommend this or don't usually care about post credit sequences. Um. If you're not in a theater, this one you wait through those wait yep. through those uh, credits because that post credit sequence that stinger is it makes no sense but it's great <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful absolutely great it's wonderful <laughs> so I I thoroughly love this movie um, yeah it gets and now it's on it's on Netflix it is on Netflix play, so you have no reason still, not to right? check it out it's still uh, on Netflix. last I checked and I could check again yeah let me check. Yeah, let me check. Let me check. Shit, I'm gonna check that so hard. I'm gonna check the shit out. <laughs> oh, easy. whoa! Yeah, it's there. Okay. Yes. So, oh, wow, seriously. Oh wow! wow. You yeah. you have the endorsement, the resounding endorsement. Yeah, yeah all three, three of us love this movie. It's so rare that we agree. Mm-hmm. You should yeah. really take There's, advantage of that. <laughs> absolutely. So check that out <laughs> on Netflix. All right, moving on to our feature presentation. Taxi driver. When a man loves a woman. The <laughs> <laughs> <B. F. laughs> Kind of makes sense. Um, a mentally unstable Vietnam War veteran works as a nighttime taxi driver in New York City, where the perceived decadence and sleaze feeds his urge for violent action, attempting to save a pre-adolescent prostitute in the process. Smoothie stars Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, Albert Brooks, Peter Boyle, uh, Harry Keitel, Sybil Shepard, and of course written by the great Paul Schrader. So, and Matt. directed by Martin Scorsese. Oh, yes, and of course, directed by Martin Scorsese. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know why I didn't mention that. I just assume everybody knows that already. Um, Matt, what did you think? Well, this is now the second time that I've seen Taxi Driver. Only second? Only second. And this is going to... Can't hold it again. This is is where the episode is going to take a turn. Get ready to flip some tables. (laughs) Tables will be flipped. I I love it. (laughs) I I loved it, yeah. What a horrible conflict. I I thought about it after watching Taxi Driver a second time. And it was better when I watched it a second time. But... I think the real issue here is that I generally don't love Martin Scorsese. I really of I, of all of his films that I've seen, there's maybe one that I would say that I love, and that is The Departed, yeah, which of is which the is Departed. Yeah, which isn't even Wait. like his movie. Nope. <laughs> um and I and I there you know there's some important ones that I haven't seen. I still haven't seen Raging Bull, which is going to make you rage. Oh, Raging Bull is his best film. Yeah, so I I need to see that. But a lot of his films just they don't 
they're very well made. They're excellent. Like Wolf of Wall Street, excellently made film. Absolutely, from every standpoint that you could you could say, it, it is an excellently made and acted film. I didn't like it that much. And there's something, there's something like at the heart of his movies that I just, that I just don't connect with them a lot. Okay. And at least this time in Taxi Driver, I appreciate it m- more. Uh, I think because I'm older, and part of me at least slightly empathizes with uh, with Pickle. Right, right. Um, because it is, it is in some ways, and one thing that really hit home is the fact that he's supposed to be my age. Yep. yep. <laughs> in the very beginning, he says he's 26. But um, it does resound with me a little bit more. Also, in this doesn't movie. he have like strange like medical things, like his back hurts, sometimes weird, or like it's like. He has weird pains that yeah. he can't place. In no. many ways, I am Travis Pickle. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to make Br- Matt's feel scared that he's going to turn into him. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't take long throughout the movie where I'm like, no, I am nothing like this guy. Uh, um, yeah, I would be very confused. I'd be very concerned. It's like the first like ten minutes. I'm like, yeah, I, I get this. Like coming of age, like you start to feel a little disconnected. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and then uh, and, and then, then he goes off the thing, rails yeah, real and then quick. Things happen. And you're just like, nope, I, nope, that guy is fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> Did you see Cape Fear, Matt? Yes, I have seen and Cape Fear. You didn't Fear. like that either. I do like Cape Fear. Okay. No, what I, about I, Hugo? I haven't seen Hugo. Okay. I haven't seen um, Hugo either. I need to see that. Those are two that I think are kind of sort of departures from his normal, like from Mars. Departures. Nice. Um, nice. No, so which I wondered if, how, what you thought about them as if if you know. Yeah, I, I need to watch. Movies. I need to watch more Scorsese movies. I really do. Um, so. I watched it the first time. The first time I watched this was a couple years back, probably maybe even when I worked at Blockbuster and I was going through my, I need to watch all these important movies kick. Um, I didn't really like it that much. I thought it was, you know, pretty good. Like it, uh, but I didn't, I didn't really like it this much. This time I liked it more, but there's still stretches where I'm just like, I'm just sitting there like not connecting with it. Yeah. See, that's, when I first saw Taxi Driver, I also was going through my teenage I need to watch important films phase. So I was just renting. That's when I was renting just cla- like classics from all that ran all over the spectrum of, of film. And I rented Taxi Driver. I sat and I watched it and I immediately, I think if I remember correctly, I just it was a VHS tape. I sat and I'm like, what did I just watch? And I rewound it and just watched it again immediately. Like I was just so compelled by it. Um, and now the more I learn about film history, the more I appreciate this movie. Um, even down to just some of the cinematography and and you know blocking and shot choices, yeah. where I'm like, that. From, yeah. genius. Yeah, from a production standpoint, like even me who's not nearly as much into that as you are, like I can definitely appreciate how how well it's made. Right. And it is and it is a fabulously made movie. Um as far as like story is concerned, I mean <laughs> the more I learned about Paul Schrader, the more I was like, This man was insane. <laughs> um Apparently, the, there's a scene in Taxi Driver where he is buying We're doing guns. Spoilers, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 Like we said before, you should watch the Netflix films that we suggest. Yeah, they're worth watching. Um, 
There's a scene where he is buying uh, pistols. That's actually one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, I was going to talk about how I love that scene. <laughs> I and love that scene. There's a there, there, there's a subtle part where Travis takes the the one pistol and he sees a blonde woman walking on the street with her child, right? Yep. And yeah. he points the gun and starts tracking her, and he pulls the trigger. Like there's no bullets in it. He's just pulling the trigger mimicking the shooter right and you're getting the feeling that he's kind of thinking about sybil shepherd's character the the girl who kind of scorned you know uh uh betsy yeah kind of ditched him well apparently that was all written because paul schrader went gun shopping (laughs) found a gun he liked and followed a blonde woman around the store (laughs) wait from like he bought it from, like, a black market guy? No, no. He actually went to an actual oh, okay. store, but, like, he's following this woman, pulling the trick over and over again, tracking her in the store. And they were like, he thought, oh, I'm going to put this in the, I'm going to put this in the screenplay. I, I love that character that plays the, the black, the black market, market gun seller. I, what's that actor's name? Oh, I, I forget. Uh, he's, he's done other, you know, he did other things in his yes, career. Yes. But, um, yeah, just the way he so elegantly describes the guns. And every every single gun, of course, is like, oh, it's a beautiful gun. It's a beautiful, beautiful gun. Wonderful gun. action. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the transaction takes place. And then uh, he tries to sell Travis, more stuff. Travis buys all the guns, which the guy isn't, like, you would think he would be like, you're going to buy all of them? And he's, he's just like, like oh, oh, sure, yeah, it'll sure, be this no much for all of them. And then he immediately, without dropping a beat, he's like, can I interest you in some mescaline? Maybe some oh, PCP. Uh, some uh, <laughs> some some cocaine. You want a Cadillac? I can get you. I can get you a Mercedes Benz. It's so it's got the full listing. Yep. <laughs> Stephen Prince is the guy's. Stephen name. Prince. Yes. Oh, okay. But yeah, I I, I do Andy. love that scene. Easy, Easy Andy, Andy is oh, the yeah, name Easy of the yeah. group. <laughs> now now Parker, what uh, what uh, history do you have with uh, Taxi Driver? Because I know you've seen it, right? Wow, Prince was a ex drug addict and a road manager for Neil Diamond. <laughs> I don't know how he got in a film. That's crazy. Probably because he was a drug addict and an yeah. <laughs> roadie for Neil Diamond. Prince tells a story about injecting adrenaline into the heart of a woman who overdosed with the help of a metal d- medical dictionary and a magic marker. Oh, snap! That Quentin Tarantino took oh, and snap. put in Pulp Fiction. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's I'm going to read more about this guy later. Anyway, Wikipedia so easy, Andy. Um, I, I, I like... I like Taxi Driver. Um, I don't love Martin Scorsese by any stretch, and in fact, I know. Yeah, I've you, seen you, probably seventy-five percent of his films at this point, and there are maybe five out of all of them that I like. And the, and like even some of them, I'm like, eh. like there are there's probably three that I definitely like, and then two more that I'm like, okay. But Taxi Driver is one of them. It, I. I I just love Robert De Niro in this film. Like he, he does an amazing so job. He is so amazing. Like, and he's good at playing kind of like a guy that you're like, I can't get a read on this guy at all. Yeah, like which which always is unsettling when you can't mm-hmm. like read a person mm-hmm. at all, and and definitely makes sense for a guy who's like having a break, you know, mentally. Like you shouldn't be able to really read somebody like that, and. Somehow he like captures it to the point where you're like, how am I not watching a guy that's actually this guy? Like, mm-hmm, like he, right. he has that way of of doing that where where you're like, how is this an actor? <laughs> like, how are we? This and this is like early dad? in his yeah. career too. I think this at this point like, yeah. he had done Mean Streets, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was about 
it. Yeah, uh, let's see his first movie. I mean, he, he had done yeah, a, right. He done a few, but uh, not many. No, yeah. I mean, well, uh, yeah. The Main Streets was seventy three. Oh, the, they think um, Godfather was before this, though. Godfather yes. Part 2? Right. But, Godfather but Part 2. It was? was not before. Godfather Part 2. Yeah. I th- I th- oh. uh, no. In 76? I thought Godfather Part 2 came out in 78. Nope. Oh, Godfather, Godfather Part 2, 74. Yeah, oh, that's okay. what I thought. Yeah, okay. so, okay. so he wasn't so that. So that was, that was more of a breakout role. Then. But, but at the same time, like I feel like in that instance, I felt like the story was like really driving Godfather Part 2. Like You didn't get the Robert De Niro that we see like in Taxi Driver right. like, where you get to see him doing right. something like you know he's he's there and he's like saying the lines but it's not like he's really being a character right, really right. you know it's kind of just like you 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 already saw Godfather Part 1 you're like wanting to know more about the character so it's really story driven but in this case you just have Robert De Niro like carrying the majority of this film and and for that I I I can't get enough of this movie just like that alone like Say what you will about like different scenes or overall feel uh, and like kind of a, a fairly awkward at times moments. Oh, of very awkward in storytelling. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but he just is like a powerhouse. And really, and really, Nailed, this has to be one of the first true instances of a movie where you actually are inside the mind and and very much. The main character is someone that is mentally, mentally deranged. Out there. Yeah. Um, That's ver- and, and very much out this there. This is another perfect example, uh, and uh, again, of like just why I love seventies films so much. The good guy isn't really a good guy <laughs> at all. No, he's not. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of an anarchist. Yep. Um, but the bad guys are just that much worse. Uh, the the bad guys, quote unquote, they aren't really bad guys per se like they're not going up against each other right right um it's but, but the but the guys are the main, bad oh like, yeah they, they are, they are bad right. but they're not the antagonist to de niro or to travis pickle is, is basically what i'm saying um the 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 bad guy in this is harvey Keitel, who plays <laughs> a awful it's just oh yeah this is gonna be the worst so he plays a pimp yeah and he specializes in preteen prostitutes, oh, played by Jodie Foster. Um, he's so awful. He's just, just so despicable and awful yeah. and terrible. And uh, the the um, the the main conflict is that Travis meets Jodie for um, I forget Jodie Foster's name in this. Uh, Iris. Yeah. Yes. He meets Iris. By accident, like he almost like she jumps in his cab yep. to get away from Harvey Keitel, and Keitel pays him a twenty to forget about it, and like grabs her and hauls her back, mm-hmm. and then like he, he like he just remembers that throughout the rest of his time trying to get with Sybil Shepherd. It's very jarring and and confusing and and very ugh. actually. I think one of the most jarring scenes in the whole movie, just because the way it plays out, uh, is the scene between. Harvey Geitel and Jodie Foster. Yeah. The oh, absolutely. Romantic, quote unquote, romantic yeah. scene where it's just the two of them. It's just like, yeah. you don't even know how to feel because and he's being, he at least is acting very much like 
genuinely like loving and romantic, but it's to a thirteen-year-old prostitute, twelve-year-old. But the, the thing and is, like, that's what that's what pimps are like to their to it's their women. So they're very weird. like right. They're yeah, very so like weird. like that's like. But this is this is such an old movie. Like I've seen more recent things, like you know, Law and Order episodes or like different things where they portray the pimp prostitute like dynamic and how it's very weird because the pimp is providing this father figure for these damaged slash girls lover. yeah slash like like intimate lover where then they go out and just have sex and it's meaningless just for money but this is a person who's providing for them which is why they don't just run away because right. they have this guy that's really providing for them who they're sort of scared of sort of in love with but like the, this is like the first instance of seeing that dynamic. I, on yeah, the absolutely, and, and, and they nail it. Like it's probably one of the best interpretations of that ever. Where I, like, I, I can only imagine how uncomfortable it was for Harvey Keitel because Jodie Foster <laughs> was twelve. Yes, thirteen. Like, was she thirteen? I, I read. Yeah, I, think I she read was thirteen today. when they shot it. Okay, yeah. all right. Still, still, yeah. No, <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. Yeah. Because a big controversy, this was obviously also from a different time, a big controversy um, was the fact that she was present, obviously, while they shot the ending, the climactic scene. Right, right. Where Travis comes in and shoots, shoots everybody, everybody up, up. And there's yeah. lots of violence. Yeah. And they actually... Well, I was she reading, wasn't there, though. She was there when they set it up and staged it, but she wasn't there for the actual filming or something. She wasn't, because I thought... I thought that's what well, I she's read. she's in the scene, I thought. She is in the scene towards yeah. the end, when he she's shoots the, the guy scene. in the face. Um, At least that scene, she had to... She was in, you know, in frame. Right, right, right. And... And yeah, that was like a big controversy because to the point then, where where um and then I don't think they ever caught the guy. Somebody had sent Martin Scorsese a letter stating that if he won the Oscar for the film, um, they were going to kill him. Like he was receiving death. Threats. How ironic! You showed a little girl violence. Yeah, they said. I'm going if to I remember kill right, because I've seen I've seen copies of the letter. If I remember right, the film said, um, "I love Jodie Foster." I will kill you for what you've done wow. to her now, if you win the Oscar. Interesting. So, like, he had FBI. Like, wow. they said it was really weird. Like, he's he has an FBI escort yeah. at the Oscars, and he's, like, trying to figure out how to go to the bathroom to do coke while he has this FBI escort. Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's funny. The, um, the, uh, just a quick side note since sure. we were talking about that. Uh, what I had read was that she, that that's how they got her uh, to not be traumatized. They was showed they her showed everything. her at, like they set it up uh, and they showed her all the behind uh, the scenes of how it would work. And she actually thought so it was that, fascinating. Yeah, so then she was just like, "Cool!" Like you were watching movie magic, right, right. More than you were actually seeing that play out. Yeah, like, oh, because so they we actually... did the opposite of what Spielberg would have done, which is just traumatize <laughs> right. the shit out of her. Like, this is real. <laughs> This is an actual dinosaur. <laughs> Be terrified. Well, that's what he, <laughs> because if that's, you aren't, it will eat you. That's right. what he did. That's what he did to uh, 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 Drew Barrymore in ET. Right. Where he convinced her ET was real and then <laughs> killed him on screen. And uh, she was like freaking. <laughs> how things changed in only ten or so years. <laughs> yep. Um, no. Speaking of Jodie Foster and people being passionate about her. Um, there's also, the, of course, the story of what's his face, the guy who tried to assassinate Reagan. Right. That who, yeah, like who basically became John, John Hinckley. Yeah, 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 John Hinckley, who basically became, became Travis Bickle. Yeah, and which was Travis Bickle is based off of a guy who had assassinated a uh, Arthur Bremer, who assassinated a presidential candidate. Right, uh, 
in like because the there's that whole so like Arthur story. Bremer is an assassin. Travis Bickle's based on that, and then Shankly. <laughs> Yeah, because oh, there's that man. whole side story where he goes and tries to assassinate the uh, right. the governor or whatever yeah. who's going to be pre- or uh, trying to be president. Side, since we're on that topic, uh, I should mention a uh, friend of the show, Alex Bannon, was in a show called Assassins, which is a musical by yep. Stephen Sondheim. Yep. Right. And there is... The, obviously it's all they, about the Assassins. It's all about the Assassins. Right. So he's in presidents. it. And there's this wonderful love song... <laughs> Between John Hinckley and Jodie Foster, but it's just like him holding Jodie Foster's picture. That's great. And then there's this other character who kind of sings the girl's part, but it's not really singing it to him. Like, if you really just take his part of the song, it's just a one-sided love song of this insane person who says he's going to kill Reagan for her. That's great. Oh, that's great. Now, there's there's just so much about this movie that I love. Um I've read a, a, a book or two on just like that go into the background of, of what happened in the film. Um, and what, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite little tidbits of this was um, De Niro at that point had gotten used to just hitting on any leading lady he was working with. Sure. And Sybil Shepard at that point was married to Peter Bogdanovich. So she wasn't <laughs> having anything to do with De Niro. So it was like, fine, if I can't sleep with you, I'm not going to pay attention to you. Just ignore her. Ah. And then lavish all his uh, you know, appropriate affection onto Jodie Foster. Yeah, <laughs> like he he would buy her things and spend time with her and like hang out with her and just ignore Civil <laughs> Shepherd. <laughs> and apparently, um, everybody ignored Civil Shepherd because at that point she was kind of a joke. Yeah. So everybody would like originally they wrote the part for a Civil she- quote Civil Shepherd type. And then they were like, I wonder if we could just afford her. She's not just doing really. Yeah. And then when they got her, they were like, do we really want her here? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, nobody liked working with her, apparently. So, let's, of course, talk about what you think of the ending. Oh. So, are you talking about the very, the very, very end? The very post-climax ending. Um, okay, I, I've given this a lot of thought, and I've not read a lot of commentary on the very very end so i don't know how it will gel with other people's opinions part of me wants to think that that whole back and forth between him and um sybil's character betsy Betsy, Betsy. uh isn't real that it's in his what about so is everything not real like the letter from the parents Posters, no, poster on the wall the newspaper clippings my gut reaction is that that part is so far, like the way it's filmed and just the nature the nature of this gruesome gunfight being reinterpreted for almost no reason as him being a hero is so far fetched to me that I feel like it has to be uh, like his dying dream that this is like how he sees like this is how he sees like it he's sitting out. on the floor he's dying still and there. this is what he thinks he's still is there ble- he's bleeding out right cuz he did he, he tries to kill himself but he has no bullets but right. like he's still bleeding a he's, lot he's got he got shot like 8 times right so like he still probably could die <laughs> now the interesting thing is cuz i've you know been reading wikipedia um the interesting thing is the screenwriter um Paul Schrader Paul Schrader I think he more or less said in interviews that, at least according to him, and, you know, of course, he's like many writers, like, oh, the death of the author, think what you want. Yeah, yeah. But I think according to him, he thinks it is real, but Mm. he makes the point that 
even if it is real, it's not a happy ending. Because well, there's, no. there's nothing indicating that Travis has changed. Yeah, Travis is still that the he's same. Better. Yeah, if, if if we're going from that era, if we're going from that idea that that all of that actually happened, um, you're right. At the end, he 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 achieved this you know great goal of saving this young girl, um, and she is has been redeemed, but he is still the same guy working the same route. Same night shift, mm-hmm. and it's st- like it's still pretty awful for him. Like he's still this crazy guy who just hangs out in porno theaters all night long, and like thinks that he's like, uh, you know, on, on a mission. <laughs> you know what I mean? When he's really not. I wonder has Alan Moore ever come out and said that is Rorschach heavily based on Travis Bickle? I can't imagine. <laughs> two I, things hey i can't imagine yeah i can't imagine alan moore ever admitting to something he like is. that he clearly is but i can't imagine like, him not being <laughs> right there's there's so he much is in so the way that, very much rorschach. yeah there's so much in the way that rorschach carries himself and even the way he self-dictates to himself mm-hmm. that is very much like travis bickle yeah oh exactly um i can't imagine rorschach not being based off of travis bickle but then alan moore would never yeah he would that. never admit that either that's true um but no, and, and and very much so, where he, he he talks to himself all the time. He writes on his own stuff. He has his parents convinced that he works for the government, um, yep. and he's he's clearly insane. But he's still the guy you're supposed to kind of root for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's oh, but yeah, I feel like this is this is one of the first very clear instances of like the antihero, not um, just not just a hero that's. Maybe not a wholesome good guy, but a hero that really is, you could make the case, is more of a bad guy than a good guy. Yeah, I'm trying to think, when did... Uh, I mean, of course, there's... Up. That's not really true, because there's, like, well, there's ancient... Like, yeah. yeah, there's, like, Faust and stuff like that. Well, yeah, where, but, like, but really like, not a good guy either, but, like... This was... That was a... a very standard trope in 70s cinema. I mean, you have stuff like the French Connection in 71 where Gene Hackman's character is not a, a good cop. He's obviously a dirty cop, but he's the guy you're supposed to be rooting for. I guess I guess though, was there ever a film where the main character was this like unhinged? Yeah, uh, cause, cause, no, cause, I don't think so. Cuz again, it's like it's not just the idea that he's not really a good guy. It's the idea that like he's so it's almost unrelatable. Yeah, he's like so far removed from reality. Yeah. Um, um, no, and in that instance, no, I think this is the one of the earliest uh, in 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 modern. I mean, nowadays going. you have stuff like Dexter, right, and things of that nature. Even like Silence of the Lambs, to a certain extent, to a certain like degree, that. yeah. But this seems like it was something sort of otherworldly for this right, time, right? Um. No, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, it definitely took the whole 70s trope of the antihero and took it to a new level of just, not only is he you know, not the good guy, he's also unhinged and just his motives are entirely, like not even questionable motives, like you said, unrelatable motives. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it do- it's, it's a weird switch. And I guess one of, my, one of the things that strikes me as being weird that I can't connect to in the movie which now that I'm talking about this, I guess one of the reasons I don't connect to this movie is because the main character is you're not like, supposed to connect. Yeah, you're not supposed to um, connect to Travis Bickle. Um, but yeah, when he switches to 
wanting to assassinate um, the politician's name. Yeah, I can't remember, I can't remember the, the politician's P. name either. Uh, Palantine. Palantine, yes. When he switches to wanting to assassinate him, you'd be hard-pressed to find the point in the movie where it switches from him having admiration. Unless you just go by the theory of like, oh, well, when he starts hating Betsy, he starts hating Palantine. I feel like that's a bit of a simplistic explanation. That's though. very simplistic, I, yeah. I feel like something weird happens where his respect for Palantine somehow just twists into, well, he needs to die. Yeah. Like, that's just what needs to happen because I'm the protector of the city and uh, this is just... I mean, even while he's watching him, watching Palantine from afar, part of you isn't even sure whether he is just faking it and clapping along or whether he actually still appreciates him on right, some level. Yeah. But he still needs to kill him. Right. Like, it's, it's there's a lot of there, 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 There's a lot of layers to the character and there's a lot of stuff that is left entirely unanswered um and i i do love the the fact that you're there's never really a, a clear instance of when you're you as the as the um audience is aware that travis is crazy right like you like you like, throughout the film you at get first the, he just seems lonely yeah at, at first he's lonely he can't connect with people he's just desperate to to reach out to somebody then you're like oh he's just awkward and he's, and he's strange. Yeah, he's, oh, he has trouble sleeping. There's even a point. Yeah, there's a point where you think he's actually like, oh, he's actually this really like heartfelt, genuine guy, and she's she's gonna fall for this. Like she's yeah. she's really mm-hmm. digging it. Like she's attracted to the facts that that he's different and he's you know not you know he's not just another face in the crowd. And he takes her to a porno. Movie. And then yeah, he takes her to a, a porno or a Swedish sex film or whatever it is, and completely cannot grasp the fact why anyone would be uncomfortable with right, this. Right, he has no idea like, why she's so upset. And you're sitting so there upset. thinking like, that's weird. How could no one realize that that's not a good idea for a first date? Like, that's breaking the bounds of, oh, he's just really genuine and out there. Yeah. And different. I feel like Travis Bickle, one thing that's great about the character is it takes the idea of like the free spirit or like the hipster, and it's like, no, here's what happens when you take this to the fucking extreme. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see what it's really like to be different? It's uncomfortable. Uh-huh. It's dangerous. It's yeah. not cool. Because, I mean, like, right right after that, like, in, in the next couple of scenes, he's, like, talking to himself how, like, he needs to get back into training for some reason, and, like, he's, he's polluted his body too much, so now he's, like, he's doing all these push-ups and sit-ups and burning him, like, seeing how long he can hold his hand over the flame yeah. on his burner. And, like, there's a lot of stuff where you're like, this... This is like pre-Fight Club yeah. level of just and that, nuts. That's what. That's another thing that's interesting about the character is the fact that he has become this icon in oh, certain absolutely. circles of like, oh, this is this is the character that really you know doesn't you know sticks it to the man and doesn't go with the flow and blah blah blah. That's great if you want to look at it from like a very surface level, but when you actually watch this film. It's not fun to be Travis Bickle. No, like no. it's not. You cool. meet the like, people that he meets in, yeah. in the cab, specifically this because uh, Martin Scorsese does a cameo in every film. In this one, he's the um, the guy who who uh, whose wife is cheating on him, and he talks about killing her with a forty five. Yeah. That whole scene is just Scorsese talking, huh? And you could just feel the the tension of just like 
this is really awkward. Yeah. And this is not cool. And these are the people that he's dealing with on an everyday basis. And it's um, just wearing, like, it's he's just, just wearing internalizing him down. it. Yeah. He's just wearing him down. So to the point where he feels the need to, like Rorschach in, um, I, I think we should point out Rorschach is a character in The Watchmen if you haven't read or yes. watched it. I don't know if we um, can explicitly say no. that. Um, like Rorschach in The Watchmen, Travis almost feels like he is the he has to be the city's savior, the vengeful angel. Yeah, yep. yeah. And and when he meets Palantine, he says like, "I don't know what you got to do, but somebody just needs to clean this city up." And then when Palantine kind of blows him off, you get the he kind of feels well. Then that means I have to do it, right? Yeah, and that's when he decides he's going to save Iris. So the story is a little I'll start somewhere. Yeah, so he's gonna. You know. This this movie is also really in, funny, or not funny, but like interesting when you compare it to the fact that then like New York has been incredibly cleaned up. Yeah, like Manhattan yeah. especially is like there's 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 some places in Manhattan where if you're at there at the wrong time night with the wrong people around, you're probably gonna be in trouble. But for the most part. Almost all yeah. of Manhattan is like, hey, I'll Pretty be nice. wherever. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I don't mind being yeah. here like at all, at any hour. <laughs> like, it's just like completely like, and, and you know, to some people's like, they they don't like that. They they want the old gritty right. New York. Yeah. But I mean, I I prefer it because then I can go there and not <laughs> feel like you're in my life. But like when you watch these old movies and you look at New York, like, oh god, what happened? And it's like, and and it was really like that for for a very you know a while and then it was almost like a very short period of time they like you know rudy Giuliani yeah, like cleaned yeah. it up and like now it was, it's like what it, it was is. like we were talking earlier about home alone 2 right like even in that movie it's like oh don't go to, don't central, go to, park don't go to central park you <laughs> not, will get stabbed not if you want to get face stabbed yeah. No, no, and now no. and now you go to new york and you're like what like so it's weird to think that like there's all these people that like you know, like the generations after us, like they don't know of New York any other way, like even remotely. Right. You know? Like yeah. unless and they like watch. Our parents' generation, be like New York is a terrible, horrible <laughs> place. I've seen this movie a number of times. I was very happy they showed it uh, in a one-day showing at Penn Cinema, so I got to see it on the big screen. Nice. Um, and yeah, this is this is. When, when when I think of seventies films and I think of important films, this film is usually in, in in the top five of my of my list. Where I'm like, this film is important. Um, so I was really worried you'd come in and be like, I fucking hated it, and drop the mic, and walk out. No, um, and in fact, talking about it as think talking about things often does makes me appreciate it more because right. it is a, it is like a really. Even on like a base level, even if I don't like emotionally connect with it, it is like very interesting. Like it's a right. very interesting film to right. think about. Yeah, and it, and also like it's 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 always tough to watch a movie and then be like, yes, when like the main character is so like uh, what? Yeah. Like you you know, it's hard to be like I'm way into this film. I well, love it. And like, I'm going to be honest too. I think both times I watched this was really late at night. Like I actually yep. this time did a two part <laughs> viewing late at yep, night. Yep. And if you're watching a movie late at night that's like most of it takes place like late at night with like smooth jazz music, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. In terms of like, so I would have I would have parts where like I'd be I you know I'd wake up when you know something crazy happened, <laughs> something loud would happen, something loud would happen. I'd be like, oh, now I need time? to go. I need to go back like 20 minutes. How much time did I miss? Yeah. I do that 
all the time on like a Saturday night. I feel that way would be that way if I watched all any movie that Chris watches, like like a western. (laughs) He'd put on here's three hours and be like dun dun dun. dun." (laughs) (laughs) Then I'd be like, wake up at the very end with the gunfight that the one single gunfight that happens at the very end, or like a samurai film, a samurai (laughs) film. Like a little bit of it is just like nice, like music, (laughs) and then a lot of it's just silence. That was like when like uh, some light dialogue. When when I invited you over, I'm like, dude, let's watch Thirteen Assassins. You're like, great, we'll watch it. That's that's awesome. We started that movie at like midnight. (laughs) Thirteen Assassins is really long. Yeah. I was struggling, and most it of it is talking. I was very, I was struggling. I, hey, if you reach, it's like, mostly talking, which means it's mostly reading. Yeah, yeah it's if mostly reading, yeah, and true. then and then the last half hour turns into this insane fight. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's still just like you have to go through tw- two hours of just reading dialogue. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we move off of uh, the the taxi driver discussion, uh, <laughs> to Alan Moore's uh, probably shame. Uh, you know, he hates, obviously, the movie Watchmen. And uh, because of the movie and the rights associated with it, um, some people were able to make a comic book series called Before Watchmen. Yes. Which is okay. like a series of comics that just, you know, flesh out some of the stories that happened before the, the story. He that was very unhappy about and that. And obviously also he's very unhappy, which, granted, it makes sense because it's his stuff. But there is a scene where Rorschach gets into a taxi cab in 1970s New York, oh, and Travis boy. Bickle is driving said taxi cab. What? That's and they great. sort of hit it off in a way. <laughs> where That's funny. That is, Travis, oh, that <laughs> Travis is so Bickle s- says things like, uh, you know, he gets in the car, and Travis says, where? And Rorschach just says, just go. <laughs> and he says, got it. I'll get you out of here. Don't worry. There's still some good people in the world. And then... Later on, he says, just look at this place. Just look at this city. Somebody needs to clean it up. And so on and so forth. Oh, my God. That is so <laughs> stupid. That's funny. I'm so glad I didn't read the Before Watchmen comics. I would have been very yeah. upset. <laughs> the idea that Travis Bickle is a real person in the Watchmen universe is very, oh, it's very upsetting. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we put a rating on this here, Matt? Give it four out of five fingers. Damn it. That that guy loses. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. When Travis Bickle shoots it with his big old, what was it, a 45? He, I, I forget what, I think it's a 45. He uses just an, like an elephant <laughs> yeah. pistol. Desert Eagle 5-0. Yeah, it's Desert Eagle massive. 5-0. Uh, Parker? Um, I, it, was, it was good. I'm going to give it... Uh, I'm going to give it four out of five times that I've seen this movie there you go. in the past five years. <laughs> All right. Well, that about the, wraps it up. It, the budget was only $1.3 million. Yeah. Yeah. It was next to nothing. It's crazy. Um, That's how it got made. Because <laughs> they were like, well, we can't lose. <laughs> and the and the box office was still $28 million for that period of time, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was massive when it first came out. Um. And still, somehow didn't didn't win any awards. And we, did we did we bring up the fact that like one of the most famously quoted lines is from this movie? Oh like, yeah, like you it's crazy that a lot. I feel like a lot of people, like especially now, like I don't feel like a lot of people have seen 
this movie like you right. know younger generation but, but everyone is knows. Like, you talking to me you talking to me you talking i don't to see me? anybody else here you must be talking to me <laughs> which like when you Unscripted. say it without without knowing mm-hmm. without knowing the movie you and and maybe knowing that it's robert de niro you you think oh it's some sort of gangster thing right you know like you think when i was a kid before i right? saw this movie I would, you know, we, obviously we're quoting that because it, it was parodied in so right. many things that <laughs> right. I saw as a kid. I yes. think the Animaniacs parodied it like a dozen <laughs> times per episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I had no idea in context what it was. And then when I finally saw the movie, I was like, oh, that's not at all what yeah. I thought. I remember it's such a weird thing to get catch on like I, that. I remember seeing it. I, I used to love, as a kid, watching the AMCs, 100 years, 100 whatever. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, the the first one, 100 Years, 100 Films, came out when I was pretty young. So I think it was before I saw Taxi Driver. And I remember seeing whatever place Taxi Driver had, and they had that. I was like, that's what that's from? <laughs> yeah. He's a taxi driver! <laughs> My world is crumbling! But what that's, I mean, that's, how it always, that's how it always goes. What is that? that was just a strange... That's a, that's a it's it's like Homest- it's one a character from Homestar Runner. Yeah. It seriously oh, uh, is. Who is it? It sounds exactly like it the one. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds exactly like one of the not, characters. Not from Homestar though. No, 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 no like no, one no, of the no, big no. characters. I'm the original ladies man. Oh, uh, I know I know what you're thinking. Anyway, I can't I'll think of his name. Anyway, uh, speaking of which, it, it is number 10 on the 100 Years 100 movie quotes by the AFI. Mm. Yeah. So it is number 10, that, that line. That line. And that line, like, yeah, that line is so memorable. And oh, yeah. for reasons that I don't understand. Like, I don't know right. why. Right, because it it's, like, it's not like the movie, like, it has, like, quotable things. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Out, even outside of context, it's, like, the most American right. thing yes. ever to yeah. just be like... Yeah. You talk to look at because yeah. it's not exactly a badass scene. He's just no. sitting there looking at all of his stuff, right? And like preparing, so like right. he's getting all his guns ready, and then he's practicing using the slide that he made. Um, but like, I just yeah. But then again, there's a lot of lot of. I mean, like take uh, take Midnight Cowboy when um, Dustin Hoffman does the uh, yeah. Hey, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Like, why would that catch on? And yet yeah. it has, right? You know, right. So I just feel like all all movie quotes eventually uh, catch on for reasons that no one understands. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, that about wraps it up here for us on Enter the Critic. Uh, as always, want to remind everybody to check out our Facebook page, uh, like us there, share us uh, every time we make a, a post. Uh, every time, every please. time, every time. <laughs> Someone validate us, please. Um, we have we have Michael working like a I don't know something oh, offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give Chris a break this time. Thanks. I was gonna like make some. That. No, no, we, we don't need to. to like nope, a Chinese nope, iPod. Nope, you don't need to. Don't need to do that. Nope, I guess no I kind of did it anyway. You did it anyway. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, can't can't see how this is gonna go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so he's working like one of them. Thanks. Good job, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Always appreciate uh always appreciate Michael helping us out there. Um yeah, and if you have a uh I I, I didn't mention uh this week's 
Um, Shotgun Review was uh, suggested by Buster Harris, listener and friend of the show. Buster. Or at least a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> so if you have a uh, suggestion for the uh, Shotgun Review, please, by all means, let us know on the Facebook page. Uh, and we will put it on the roster. Yeah, so. it's going to move up a lot more if it's on Netflix, though. Absolutely. Or if Netflix, we've all seen it. If it's on Netflix or you somehow know what movies we have in our collection, we'll get it a lot quicker. So. I just hate you so much! <laughs> Who it's is that? Blue Laser, when the, the Cheat Commandos, oh, the cheat and then the bad guys <laughs> that are supposed to be like Cobra Commando. Well, He's like, oh, I'll get oh, you! <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> the voice you were just Lasers. I hate you so much! Laser's gonna blow up the ocean. And all you guys combat accessories, so it'll save on valuable. <laughs> Gosh. It looks just like me is using it to help some old lady do her shopping, sir. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, until next time, I'm Chris Klump. I'm Matt Schaefer. <laughs> Partner. We'll see you next time. Oh, <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha